Hi everybody, Bob Olson here with Afterlife TV. You can find us at afterlifetv.com. This is where we search for evidence of life after death and ask the meaningful questions around that subject. Today we're going to be talking specifically about uh, signs from spirit. People who we love and have lost and they're now in the spirit world, what kind of signs and signals are they sending us? We've talked about this subject before and uh, and we will again in the future. I think it's a really important subject that we cover over and over. There are, every story that we talk about is going to be different and, and extraordinary in its own way. And I think it's important for our audience. So many have lost loved ones. Some of them feel as though they haven't heard from their loved ones. So, you know, for those people, I really want these these video conversations to sort of help them get ideas ideas um, to create an awareness around, around what to look for um, as far as the signs and the signals that their loved ones might be sending them uh, I do believe that, that that our loved ones are always trying to send us inf uh, you know messages that they're okay you know that they're with us and today's uh, today's story is is quite extraordinary uh, I is a man who has lost his 18-year-old son and and what happened prior to his death and following his death is really quite amazing. Uh, his name is Dave Kane. He is the author of this book, 41 Signs of Hope. We're going to talk about that in a moment. His son's story is also in this documentary, which is mind-blowing I watched it for the second time last night uh, it'll put you to tears uh, many times a lot of love a lot of uh, amazing things happening there welcome Dave thanks for joining us at Afterlife TV I appreciate it hi Bob thank you very much for inviting me I'm I'm thrilled to be here really. well your story needs to be told um, it has been told in book form and documentary form now you're out here doing this sort of thing you are uh, you're an old radio guy. I mean, not old, but you're you're used well, to doing old. this. I'm, I'm old. I'm <laughs> old. You're old. used to doing this this sort of <laughs> thing. This is not new to you, right? No, I've done it. Uh, I started in broadcasting when I was 15, so I did it for a long time. And I just recently retired from broadcast, but I'm doing other things. And um, and it really has helped me to tell this story. And I realize now that all the time that I thought that I was being trained to be, you know, Morton Downey Jr. or uh, or, uh, or somebody else, uh, Larry King, I was really being trained to tell this story. I was really being prepared to get this word out to everybody, a very important word, that nobody goes anywhere, that they're with us, that they love us, and they want us to know it, and they want us to stop being afraid because there's nothing to be afraid of. Uh, those are important messages right off the bat there. You know, I do want to say we have a lot of audience members who have lost loved ones, um, a lot of people who have had extraordinary stories themselves. I want those people to recognize that we're, we're doing this, we're having this conversation in honor of them, in honor of their stories, so that they can relate and say, yes, 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 that's just like my story. That's part of it. So it's not just teaching those who haven't heard from their loved ones yet or haven't recognized the signs and the signals, but it's also for those who have, who want to tell their stories as well, but 
you're kind of doing that for them, don't you? Well, think? I, yeah, I hope so. It, it also gives them an opportunity to say, "See, I told you I wasn't nuts. <laughs> I, told you I, was, I told you that. That's exactly what happened to me. That's and right. That's what people need to know. That we're the ones that are blocking. We're the ones that are being distracted. In my talk, uh, 41 Signs of Hope, I do a presentation, and, and one of the examples I make is is two women in a supermarket, and they're talking to each other, and one of them has a child who's pulling at a skirt saying, mommy, 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 and the, yeah, okay, hold on a minute, and then they're talking, I'll be right with you, you know, the, you know, and they're talking about how sad they are that they've lost their loved ones, and they're talking about their grief, and in the meantime, the kid's going, mom, hello, I'm right here. That's so t that's very typical. That's classic. It's classic. It really is. Yeah, yeah. You're right, and that's life, right? That's 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 life. Um, all right. Tell me a little bit about where did this all start? I know it was in 2003, correct? Yeah. Uh, very famous story, actually. Nikki was the youngest victim of the Station nightclub fire. It was the fourth largest nightclub fire in the country's history. Mm. 100 people died. 200 people seriously injured. And uh, Nikki was uh, was the youngest victim. Uh, the, the the name Forty One Signs of Hope and and the number forty one comes of course from Nikki. Before Nikki passed, he he would get in the car and he say, "Dad, look, it's two forty one. Or he'd see a license plate, "Dad, forty one, forty one." And we never knew what this was. We didn't know why he felt about about this number the way he did. We couldn't figure it out. His brother Chris uh, helped him. We went to you know, numerology and we couldn't figure it out. Well, when Nikki passed, he was 18 and 23 days, 41. Mm. The station nightclub is at latitude 41.41. The fire call box at the station is 4414. And on the cover of the book, as you know, is a sketch of Nikki from a, from a videotape we found a year after he passed. And in the videotape, his mom is holding him. And he's got, a, he's got a little, he's about four months old. He's got a little baseball uniform on and the number on the cap is 41. And it began there. We started to get signs. I, I, we just talked about coincidences when we started. At first, you look at them as coincidences. You know, boy, this was weird, and that's weird, and look at this. And then they started to pile and pile and pile. And I couldn't ignore them anymore. I mean, I say ignore them. I couldn't just say, oh, isn't that interesting, and walk away. Yeah. You, you have to now stop and say, wait a minute, how does this happen? How yeah. can this be? And as you see in the book, as they piled up, you know, this is this is what's a big selling point to this to the what we're trying to tell is that you couldn't possibly make this happen by mistake. That's there right. are too many coincidences. That's right. Yeah, I I was amazing when you're talking about how they piled up. Um, the filmmakers do a great job. One of them is your son, Christian and Christian, right? Christian, yeah, the two Christians, right? Yeah, yeah. But John Land is in there, the author John Land. So there's two Christians. Oh, okay, there. all right. And uh, they do a great job where they're talking about how these these 41s have just been piling up with lots of people, and they have they have all these people on the screen, and they're just all sort of telling the stories at the same time. Really gives you the sense of how this didn't just affect one or two or three family members; it it extended out to the extended family, friends, maybe even you know uh, people just who were acquaintances. People are starting to see the number forty-one well, I, everywhere. Yes, and I have, and I have total strangers uh, writing to me after reading the book and and telling me things that have happened and the connections that they've gotten and how they know that Nikki has helped their their child come through to them 
etc. It's amazing. In 41, and, and the part of 41 that I like, uh, that impresses me the most is at the end when you, you realize what um, uh, the Christian D. Resendez, who was a young man we didn't know before Nikki passed, mm-hmm. he, uh, he's the, uh, the co-producer and cinematographer, and you realize that he had a, a significance of 41 in his life from when he was a kid that he didn't even realize. So this goes back way before we even knew this guy. And it, it, it's astounding. Well, you know, it, numbers are an interesting thing. I mean, when you really start to look into numbers, I mean, when you even, I remember, uh, you know, when you look into classical music and stuff, it's all the, the numbers that are involved are, are pretty powerful when you get to know what it's all about. This same thing, you, you follow a, a, a significant number like this, and for for Christian to be able to walk into this story and then look into his past and recognize that that also played a significant part in his life long before he even knew anything about Nick, um, it's it's interesting. It's eerie almost. It makes you think twice. Tell us some of the tell us some of the really significant um, ways that this number forty one showed up in your life or or someone else's life. After after Nick passed, well, 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 it goes on and on and on. I mean, I mean, there are so many. Uh, some of them very, very different. Uh, my wife uh, one day was driving down the street, and they had one of those portable um, radar detectors showing everybody how fast they're going. You know, and she was right behind the car, and the car went by. It said twenty six miles an hour. My wife went by. It went to forty one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these are the things that, the kinds of things that happen all the time. Things happen at 41 after the hour uh, all the time. Uh, we don't even realize that, it, that it's going on until, until after you go, oh my God, it, was, it, it just keeps going. Yeah. I will tell you uh, one of the incidences that happen that is not around a 41, uh, because there are other things that happen too. There's feathers, there's music, there's um, all kinds of serendipity that, that happens. Yeah. Um, this is, is one that I think is important for people to hear. It's, it, it's one of my favorite stories. My wife, Joanne, Nikki's mom, worried terribly that Nikki suffered in the blaze, that the flames got to him. Right. Um, and we had a lot of talks about it, and every medium we've been to, and we've been to plenty. <laughs> I mean, we have done it. We've done every medium we have been to, told us the same phrase, no pain. They did it over and over again, no pain. If we asked, no pain. If we didn't ask, no pain, we would be told. Still, my wife would get those moments when she worried. And a few years ago, we were tagging a Christmas tree. Uh, Nikki loved doing that, so we go do that. And and that day, she was, she was in that mode. And I was, being the loving, gentle husband that I am, I was screaming at her. <laughs> And I was saying, when are you going to get it? We get in the car, she's driving, and we start going up a hill. And I say to her, when are you going to get it? This kid has told you, Robert Brown, no pain. Cindy Gilman, no pain. Maureen Hancock, no pain. All of these mediums have been, no pain. I said, what do you want them to do? Put it in writing? And as soon as I said that, a car coming from the other direction had the vanity plate, no pain. Oh, man. Uh, Okay. <laughs> you know, so th- this is what's cool is you know because people can and there are there are going to be people who watch this uh, if they can get themselves to do it because they're cynical and and they're going to be thinking yeah 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 you know coincidence 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 but uh, you and I use the word coincidence as many of our 
uh, the audience does differently than I think mainstream America. Um, we see it more as serendipity. We see it as uh, it, it, it's meant to be. And something like that, when, when, when that happens, it's kind of really, really hard to deny, is it not? I mean, well, how do you, how do, you do it? I mean, this, is, this, this license plate, I chased it, by the way. I, I got the owner, is owned by an anesthesiologist. Oh. Who lives right in the neighborhood? I mean, that he was just coming. I mean, how does that happen? Would you put any money down that that was going to happen? Right. Yeah. I mean, would you? You know, of course you would. No you way. And, and can we talk a little bit about skeptics? I think skeptics are the people that want it to be true the most. I think skeptics are the ones. The reason they're skeptic is because they're afraid that it isn't true. They want it to be. I think that they're afraid Lucy's going to move that football. You know, they're, they're afraid. I, I call it the Santa syndrome. When I was a little boy, my sister's eight years older than I am. And when I was a little boy, I was about four or five. And I said to my sister, Maureen, but is there really a Santa Claus? And she said, really? I said, yeah. She said, no. I said, oh, Maureen. <laughs> and she said, no, 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 there really is. And I think that's what happens. We want this to be true. We would love for it to be true. But we are so afraid that someone's going to, knock on our door and say, surprise, it's yeah. not. That's yeah. what keeps skeptics. That's what make, That's what skeptics live on. They live on the fear that we're wrong. Well, I, I agree. I mean, as a former skeptic myself, and I I also attribute it to back to uh, being lied to by my parents about these these yep. myths and, and, and then finding out later and being very upset by it and thinking, you know, I'm sure this, these weren't my words then, but you know, I, I was made the fool. I will never be made the fool again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and and then what happens is I looked at everything from a distance, was cautious, careful, and before I'd allow myself to believe, I would have to see some evidence on my own. I do. I do that all the time. I even now. I mean, every single occurrence, I stop and I look and I think and I step back to make sure that it's that, that it isn't something I have. That, that's right. And then the downfall is some people then adopt the image of being a skeptic. And once you've adopted the image of being a skeptic, you're now a closed-minded skeptic because you're looking to prove that it's not real rather than being open-minded, looking at the evidence, and then make drawing your conclusions based on the evidence. Um, so there's a big difference there. But anyways, going past that, let's talk about some things that people can be skeptical about. Um, now I know you went. You said you saw a bunch of mediums. I saw some of those on the on the video. Amazing, and a lot of people understand that we can go to mediums and get messages. But still, is that some of the best evidence that you've had? Over yeah. The- well, yes. Uh, frankly, uh, some of them. I mean, there, there's a story in the book that I'm sure you're familiar with. Uh, uh, my wife um, got a book. Actually, Christian, our oldest boy, uh, gave her the book by Robert Brown, "We Are Eternal." Yeah. And it was the only thing that gave her any comfort right after the fire. Reading this book really helped her. And she was in terrible shape after the fire. Yeah. Um, and one night she was reading it and she, she was getting tired. So she, she was in bed and she put the book on the floor and put her glasses on the book. Next morning she got up and looked down, make sure she didn't step on her glasses. And there on her glasses and the book was a white feather. From where? How does that happen? Yes. So she said, that's it. i got to get a hold of Robert Brown. So she wrote to him. His, uh, his secretary got back to us, surprisingly, pretty quickly. We were shocked. And they gave us uh, a, a, his first 
sitting when he came in from England that year, which was 2003. And for an hour, he told us stuff. Not only did he not know, we didn't know. After he, we checked with things that he said happened in the fire. Yeah. We and and we went and he exactly where Nikki was standing is where he told us he was standing. Yeah. Uh, we know that Nikki stopped to help people, help one woman. He stopped and tried to help her get up. She was panicked. He told us about that. We found out later that that was correct. Mm. But the biggest one was at the end. When we stood up, he pointed at me and he said, your son wants me to tell you one more thing. He wants me to tell you that the show must go on. And what he couldn't possibly know, what nobody knew except my wife and I, was that those were the very last words Nikki spoke to me. No kidding. Oh, it was the day before the fire. His band was supposed to open for Great White on the Friday night. The fire was on the Thursday. So yeah. Nikki went on Thursday to check out the room. And I found out he wasn't getting much money for the gig, and I was giving him the father talk. You know, Nick, show business. Got to get your bucks. You know, I know you like to do this stuff, but, you know. He said, yeah, I know. When we got to, to his girlfriend's house, I was driving him. I said, you know, honey, I didn't mean to pick on you, but I don't know why you'd sell God's talent so short. And he gave me a hug and a kiss. He said, Dad, because the show must go on. Oh, and he got the car. And Robert Brown told me those words. Now, in 41, you can see that he, he says he almost didn't say it. As a medium, he was afraid that I would jump off the couch and punch him in the face because he thought <laughs> he thought that I would I would think he was saying just move on. Oh right! And so he was afraid to say it. Yeah. But my son was screaming at him, "Say it! Say it the way I tell you! Say it!" So he did. And I got to tell you, I not about I, one thing I didn't tell you is four weeks before this, I had open heart surgery, Oof. and I was not in great shape, and I was ill. My wife and I, we had met him in New York. We went to the stage door deli after that and ate like a couple of pigs. <laughs> I mean, we, we were so elated. We knew that was Nikki. There could be no denying that was Nikki. That's no. right. Yeah. And so, and, and, and that's the kind of, those are the kind of messages that you really can only get from mediums. It's really difficult otherwise because a lot of times some of the other things that happen, you can say, well, maybe it's just a real coincidence. You know what I mean? Um, again, you know, the license plate, no pain. You know, I'm sure that it gave Joanne a lot of solitude to see that, but still over time, it's not quite as effective as some medium who knows nothing about Nikki coming through and, and giving the last words that he spoke to you, obviously. Astounding. Yeah. Absolutely astounding. It's, it's still up there. But we have a lot of other stuff, too. But, I mean, it's up there. I mean, well, we've been to... We've been to so many different people, and uh, we go in, um, frankly, I go in uh, holding back and waiting, you know. Um, there's, a, there's a guy here locally who's a terrific medium, Roland Comtois. Are you familiar with him? No. Ter he terrific. He does a thing called Purple Papers where he writes messages before he even meets you, sometimes years before he meets you. <laughs> and then you go, and he said, wait a minute, I have a paper for you, and he comes out. And he's got this paper, and it's specific to your instance. Right. Well, when I went into him uh, locally, you know, I, I've had a lot of press here locally, so I, I'm always skeptic when I go. But my wife made the appointment for me under my name, my first name only. Sat down, and Nikki. Uh, by the way, a year before Nikki passed, talking about signs, a year before he passed, he wrote a play called "They Walk Among Us." The play is about teenagers who die and come back as angels. 
And so here we have this wonderful play. So when I go in to see Roland, I sit down and he starts writing on his pad and he says, oh, all of the spirit around you. He's about, he says, he says, you know, he says, they walk among us. No way. You're kidding. Oh yeah. Well, now he, when he said it, talk about skeptical. When he said it, my <laughs> first thought was this guy knows who I am. Oh, right. 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 Because yeah. I mean, what is that? Sure. And then he proceeded, then he proceeded to kick me down the stairs with so much other stuff, so much <laughs> terrific stuff that I knew it was just, yeah. It was, yeah. Well, that's it. Uh, that's it. You know, some of the stuff we can we can be skeptical about, but when they start to add up, you know, the the degree of possibility that all those things could line up in that way, it's virtually impossible, really. And and so that's where you have to get over your skepticism and go, you know what, there's, there's something to this. All right. Well, you know, I, well, since you brought it up, <laughs> all right. So this is a an 18 year old really a 17 year old probably who wrote this play yeah well he wrote he wrote the play he also he also said to his mother one day you know i think i could play the guitar they were going by a music store he said i think i could play the guitar so we did the thing parents do okay we'll get your guitar you gotta you gotta practice you gotta take lessons you gotta blah 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 we did that whole thing yeah. we got him a guitar he took four lessons and proceeded to write 50 songs oh man yeah. And and uh, his writings, his poetry, his, his, his this wonderful play that is so moving. Uh, in forty one, you see they go back and forth to pieces of this play. Yeah, that is just astounding. And we never realized uh, he had told ma, his mom that he had written something. It was for a competition, and and then we didn't know whatever happened. We forgot about it. Yeah. And and one day, a couple, a few days after the, uh, a few weeks, I guess, after the the, the fire. His friend Kunkel, uh, Emily Kunkel, called us and said, I have Nikki's play. She had it in the bottom of her closet under a bunch of shoes or something. You know, that he had just, she was going to read it, you know. And, yeah. And, and, she, and then when we read it, we were, it, 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 it's so moving. It's so, and when you know Nick, you know this is really something. Well, this is it. And now, and he's writing this because he acted in plays his whole life this this is what he did he was theatrical he was musical he was had, yeah. you know he was in a band you yes. know he expressed himself in this way yeah. not unusual for him to be writing a play very unusual for him to be writing a play about they walk among us um, yes and, and 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 when we put it together when we produced it his brother Christian who is uh, who is a stage director mm -hmm. and uh, and a uh, videographer he directed it uh, his brother Billy came, uh, who's an opera singer, by the way, in San Francisco, and he came and sang. And his brother David played the part that Nick wrote for himself, the lead, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, he played Nikki's part of Cyrus the Angel, and his, his girlfriend Gabby played Grace the Angel, and her brother Alex played the... Uh, played. So, I mean, it, 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 it was a whole family event. And all of the people you see in that play were friends or relatives of, of Nick. It was an incredible tribute um, of all these people getting together to be a part of this play uh, in, in, in tribute to him. But um, I don't know. I, I can't even imagine what that must have been like. It must have been really emotional just, just to be going through it. Of course, you, you guys needed to practice a lot. And there was so there was a lot of he brought he brought a, a community together, did he not? Yeah, he really he really did. And, and that's one of the things when people talk about 
losing a child, by the way. This is important to mention, I think. One of the things that has helped us is to understand that Nikki passed this way at this time for a reason. That there is a reason to all of this. If you think that it's just about a bunch of people who were greedy and jammed a bunch of people into a hellhole, which it did, but what came out of it? You know, if Nikki had died when he was 65 or 75 or 85 of old age, or they would have said, oh, I think he wrote a play or something. Yeah. By passing at 18, the message that he's trying to give, the 41 message, has much more impact because people are sit up and take notice at this young man. And I, I think you touched upon it early on when you brought up the play, but what is the message of the play? I think the message, well, the mess, the play is about a young man who is gay, who is, who is tormented by his life and trying to figure out, contemplate suicide, etc. And these three angels come and step into his life. And primarily, the message is that God loves you no matter what. He loves you no matter what. There is nothing to fear that everything is fine, that we will be back, that we will be angels, we will be spirit. There is nothing to fear and that God loves you no matter what. That's Nikki's message. Yeah. That And he was very upset. Um, and, and, and as you see in, in 41, uh, his brother David talks about how, how Nick could not get over um, the discrimination toward gay people, etc. It, it drove him nuts. And, and so this is one of the things that he wrote about. Now, interesting. Now, he Nick was not gay. Uh, we saw him with his girlfriend Gabby throughout the whole documentary, Forty One, yep. and and so here's someone who is relating to something that's going on outside of him. Uh, it's not like you guys you didn't live in the New York City or something like that. You know what I mean? You, it's a small town in Rhode Island, and 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 so. We, I don't know how much of this he could have been seeing, but obviously what little he might have seen, it bothered him and he and he spoke about it. Well, yeah, he spoke about it. He spoke up a lot about a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, he takes after his father a little bit. <laughs> but he just, he just saw, uh, when he saw uh, injustice, he stepped in. Whether yes. it was defending little kids or whatever it was, he, he, he is always like that and still doesn't. Still doesn't. And he, and he pushed and he pushed the boundaries a little bit as well. I think with some of the some of the terminology he used, he wasn't afraid to just put it out there. He was all, he was that kind of a kid, right? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, here's the funny part about one of the things I talk about his his writing of his songs. He said he wrote 50 songs. He did a CD with his group Shrine, yeah. and he wrote all the music, wrote all wrote all the lyric. And he at one point he in in one of the songs he rhymes. Texaco and Mexico, and he wasn't even born when Texaco was around. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. <laughs> yeah, you don't know where a lot of this stuff came from. Yeah. And, and in fact, I think it's also important. You know, there was a there was a young girl named Grace, right, who passed when she was five. Um, and 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 Nick went to sort of console, tried to console her brother, who yes. who was what nine nine at the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, he, yeah. Uh, this was really weird too because um, they were in ACT, the old children's theater in Rhode Island, and Nikki, of course, was older and he befriended Grace's brother. And um, when Grace passed, uh, she passed from uh, what Jim Henson had, that disease that just gets you like that. And he, he befriended the little boy, and then a year later, Nikki passed. Yeah. 
And that was really tough. And we, you know, we did what we could to help the boy get through that because it was terrible for him. Yeah. Uh, but the, at, at that age, you know. But the weird part about the one of the weird, one of the many weird parts about this was when Nicky wrote the play. He wrote the play before Grace died. Oh. oh. And he names this angel Grace. And in one of the her monologues in the play. Nikki had written, Grace says, I would want to know if my little sister died, why my little sister died. And and, and he wrote it before Grace had even been sick. Yeah, yeah. And, and after, when you look at the play, you go, oh my Lord, look at this. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> just, wow. Yeah, that's just like, wow. Those are wow, wow moments. Um, all right. Do you think that there's some kind of, do you think, I mean, have you seen this with other people? I, I know that I have. There, sometimes when before, before people pass, there seems to be an almost unconscious, not conscious, unconscious knowing that there's some change that's going to be taking place, that something's up. And, and, and I just have to wonder, I mean, I know that in the movie they talked about Nick um, really wanting to look into his past, really wanting to get in touch with people from his past all of a sudden. In fact, was pushing to have some type of a reunion um, of all these people from from his past uh, in the in the near future. And of course, he did have one, but not necessarily in the way that he expected. Have you seen this with other people, or is you know obviously it's in his story? Yeah, I have. Uh, my own mother um, uh, uh, passed, uh, uh, and before she passed, she did things that just weren't didn't make sense to me. She she had a, a, a used car, and she went out and bought a, no, a newer used car. I couldn't imagine why she did that. <laughs> she, put, she put carpeting in her apartment because she liked the landlords, and she spent the money, you know. Um, she did all these different things, and she worried constantly that there wouldn't be enough money to bury her. She wanted to pay for her own burial. Yeah, you know, she worried. Well, she retired, and a year later, she passed away in her kitchen. When and I was on her uh, checking account, at whatever. When she died, she had in her savings account, checking account, exactly the amount of money that it took to bury her to the penny. Really? The used car was something my sister really needed a, 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 a car. My sister got the car. <laughs> I mean, uh, she, uh, she, I mean, to all of these things that after you look at it and you say, wow. She didn't wasn't saving for her future in any way. Yeah, she yeah. was just doing what she wanted to get done, and then she passed. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It, it is. It's cool when you look back. Now, some of the other messages that you got from Nikki, I, it, tell us a little bit about maybe some of the electronic malfunctions. When my father first passed, this is this was I was uh, in my thirties. I think I was thirty five years old, and. I wasn't into this stuff at all. I had no idea. But I, I, a few things happened. I would smell um, uh, lavender or whatever. I would smell th this odor that reminded me of him all the time. Uh, just like my car would fill up with it. But another time what happened was, we, I, I, this is back when radio still had dials um, and it was, everything wasn't digital. All of a sudden my radio station started changing. It would just change from one station to the next. And I looked, and I grabbed the dial to stop it, and I couldn't stop it, and it just kept going boom, 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 back and forth. And then when it finally stopped, I was able to move the dial no problem. And it got my attention enough, so even back then at the age of 35, I 
thought, oh my goodness, I wonder if that was my father who did that. Today, people are a little bit more aware of these things. You certainly had those kinds of electronic malfunctions. You got a story to tell about one? Oh, I've, got, I've, got a, I've got a bunch of them, but I, I, you want me to tell them about the wiper story? Hold yeah, on. tell them. Tell them, tell them. Uh, well, uh, I have a van, and I use it for my shows. I, I still perform, and I use it transport equipment. And shortly after Nikki passed, I, my windshield wipers started going off all by themselves. If I had his music on, or if I was talking to him, or as I was thinking about him, you know, windshield went. Well, one day, um, I got some change. I was buying some props, and I got my change was 41 cents. Now, this is one of those coincidences that you can go, oh, isn't that cute, and put it in your pocket. Yeah. What I do, of course, and what our family does is, oh, I know that's you, Nick. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. I know that's you. So I get in the car, and my windshield wipers go, okay, Nick, I know that's you. I'm going down Main Street, sunny day, beautiful. My wipers are going. So, so I pull in the Kentucky Fried Chicken. I get out. I go get a sandwich. I come back in, start the car again, and again, the, the wipers. So out loud, I say, to my nobody in God, just myself and Nick, and I say, "Geez, this kid won't get off my back today." And as soon as I said that, I turned back like this to look to back up, and my rear windshield wiper went. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and then there's another there's another story, a little bit more intricate, but this is really interesting. I was driving to work one day, uh, and I always listen to talk radio because I, I used to be on talk radio. I listen all the time. Yeah. For some reason, I had it on FM. And my wipers are going and going and going, and I can't. Then I realized on the radio they were playing Norman Greenbaum's Spirit in the Sky. Mm. And I thought, oh, that's it. Oh, I get it, Nick. It, and the wipers and spirit, oh, that's really cool. About three days later, I was bringing uh, David, our son, down from Boston. By the way, David had uh, a severe illness the weekend Nicky passed and was in the hospital, and almost, we almost lost him from something that he had. And I was bringing him back down from Boston after some tests, and I was telling him about this spirit in the sky thing with the music. And he said, boy, Dad, that's really great. And then he re leaned over to turn on my radio in the car, and like in a movie, as soon as he clicked it on, the announcer said, and now by special request, here's Norman Greenbaum's spirit in the sky. It went on, and my windshield wipers went <laughs> 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 my son but was like oh son. yeah oh my goodness whoa yeah uh, those are whoa moments no question uh, yeah, about and it there's so many of them yeah but I want to encourage people to know that they they will get stuff that may not be this big because this is Nikki's job I think but, <laughs> that's right but, but but little things you know you're driving to the supermarket and you're thinking about your Aunt Tilly and you walk in and her favorite song is playing on the music that's your Aunt Tilly saying, peekaboo, I'm thinking of you, too. Well, they, that's it. You know, they're little things. And the more you acknowledge them, the more you get. Well, that's it. And, and, and a lot goes with the personality. Nicky had a big personality. He was, he was, he was larger than life. And I, I think he liked the attention. He was always on stage. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Like, so, you know, it fits with, it fits, you know, hey, here I am, you know. <laughs> but I don't want people to be discouraged if they don't get something big like that because it's the little things that mean something to you that really are these people loving you and going, here I am. Well, that's, right. that's my point, you know. So you might have, you know, Aunt, Aunt you know, I have, a, I have an Aunt Stella. 
quiet, you know, a, a lot quieter than, you know, Nick was in life. And so her messages might just come, come through a little more subtly. And, and so we can look for those in that way. And I think sometimes they have to do, you know, look for the signs that might be related to their personality in some way. You know what I mean? If the person was an accountant, you might look, you know, numbers might be an important thing. If the person was interested in art, art might be a way that, you know, you're looking. If they were a bird watcher, certainly watch for the bird to show up at your window and, and stare at you in the eye. Those sorts of things. Now, you've also had some... Well, you know, there was another electronic malfunction. Talk about the music box. At least tell us tell us that. Yeah, one. well, <laughs> that was really very interesting. Um, that story starts with Nikki, um, Chris, and his his now wife Leah um, were at the house, and and Nikki was sitting with them playing his guitar. They wanted to go to sleep, and he wouldn't let them. He was playing. He said, and he said to Chris, uh, "Let's sing songs from that great old musical Carousel." And then he decided to sing songs, but of course, Nicky wrote songs and he had lived. These songs had nothing to do with Carousel. They were mostly <laughs> insults of his family and friends. Uh, and, and so that was it. And after, Nicky said to Chris, you know, I don't know why I say Carousel, because I don't even know what Carousel is about. <laughs> and Carousel is a musical about a young man who passes and comes back to watch over his family. Mm. So that being said... The year Nikki passed came to be Mother's Day, and Chris had to figure out. He wanted to figure out, Chris, the oldest boy, wanted to figure out the best present to get for his mother. I'm, now, what do you get a mother who lost a child on Mother's Day? All right. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Chris was not going to spare any expense, and Chris being who he is, he went to a flea market. <laughs> and he walks in the flea market, Bob, and they're playing the music, the soundtrack from Carousel. He couldn't get over it. He said, who plays Carousel? You know, Chris, <laughs> yes. is in, Chris is in theater. He produces stuff, directs stuff. He said, who plays Carousel? <laughs> this is 2003. So he's walking around and they're playing the music and he finds a beautiful music box that plays a song from Carousel. So he thinks this is the perfect gift. It's all hand-wound things, you know. He brings it home because on Mother's Day he gives it to his mom. We listen to it; it's lovely. We put it on the counter where Nikki's pictures are. Forgot about it. That night, Chris starts uh, yelling, "Mom, mom, come here, come here, come here, quick!" And we, uh, I was in the bedroom with my wife, just talking, uh, and uh, and we run in, and the music box started to play at nine forty-one. Mm. And it stopped at 9.42. No kidding. Oh, now, man. Now, now this oh, man. Was, I mean, just played for a minute and stopped at 9.42. Nobody had touched it. It was hand-wound. It couldn't. I mean, it. it well, and, and, and to add to the 9.41 part, I mean, you know, he, he, there's even, in the, in the documentary, there's even footage of him saying, talking about 41, but also saying 9.41, somehow yeah. 9.41. There's... Um, well, if I let me sneak one in here on you, yeah. Um, Disney World, uh, Nikki loved Disney World, and we went the January after Nick passed. We went to Disney World. There was nine of us in the group that went. Uh, we were going to go to Hoopty Doo Review. Nikki loved Hoopty Doo Review, so we're all getting on the boat and we're going over the island. And just as we get there, my wife says out loud, "Okay, Nick, here we go, Hoopty Doo Review," and every light on the dock went off and went back on. Ooh. 
Mm. We get to the window. My wife gives a receipt. They gave us table 41. Mm. She runs back, 941. She runs back to the nine of us and said, look, I got table 41. And as soon as she said that, a little boy with blonde hair went running right between us. And his mother yelled, Nicholas! <laughs> They're just piling up on you. Yeah, just, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. They just, yeah. And, and again, see, a lot of people, this might happen to them and they just might not notice it. You know, they might not, they might not care what number table they got. They might not think about that. They might not notice that this, what this little boy's name is. You know, right. so some of these things, people are getting these messages, but they're just too busy with life and they're missing out on them. The point of having these kinds of conversations and other people listening to them because I think they're important and, and they are helpful. You've also had some um, interesting things with electronic voice phenomenon. It's not my thing um, in that I haven't done a lot of research on it. I've, the ones that I've heard, you know, I've seen a lot of them on TV and stuff and, you know, they tell you what they're saying. When right. I first hear it, I don't hear anything. When you tell me what they're saying, ours. okay, now it's now it makes. Just saying you want a nix. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but but at the same time, I've seen too much. I've seen too much in this field to to think that that is impossible. I do believe that it is it is possible. Uh, you had some interesting things. I saw one in the documentary where Maureen Hancock was part right. of. Well, that, that's interesting because the, the Maureen Hancock one was she tells Joanne that uh, she's going to hear Nikki call to her. Mm. And on the tape at that moment, you hear a little boy's voice say, Mommy. And because we have so much videotape on Nikki, mm. we can find a, a time in his life when the, the, the voice matches. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, but that, that is good. But wait till you hear this one. That story was written up in the AAEVP journal. There's a whole bunch of people, as you know, who collect these EVPs. Yeah. And, and we're going to go back to skepticism now because a lady co uh, contacted me by email. She lived in Southern California, and she said to me, your son is sending me EVPs. And my first thing was, oh, great, not burger. Here we go. Now, you know, I, yeah. I never knew, couldn't possibly be. What is this? <laughs> right. now, I mean, that's my, that was, but I was very nice, and I said, great. Now, like you said about the EVPs, they're very tough to make out. Yeah. I analogize it when I talk about it like those those pictures with all the colored dots and you're supposed to be able to see the submarine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never see the foolish thing. You know? I mean, uh, so you'd hear them and they're kind of muffled. and you know. So she sent us a couple from a Nick that we really couldn't make out. We would, you know, and, and I was disappointed. And then one Sunday morning I get up, I get up before my wife. And I go online, and in my email, she has sent me another EVP. And I'm going to send it to you, Bob, for, because I'd like you to hear it. But in this EVP, you hear what is absolutely Nikki's voice. It is no doubt that it is Nikki's voice as an adult. Mm. And he is saying, clear as day, Mom and Dad, this is Nick. Mm. And it sounds a little bit like a shortwave radio. Mom and Dad, this is Nick. But you can, it is his. I sobbed and sobbed when I heard this. Yeah. I couldn't believe how real this was. Yeah. And I, I couldn't wait for my wife to wake up. I didn't want to wake her up because I wanted her to be wide awake to hear it. Yeah. But this is astounding. And even people who do this all the time are sh shocked at how clear this is. That's right, that's right. Uh, and, and of course you also had the opportunity to bring it into the station 
listen to it with some really good headphones, I'm sure. And yeah, we yeah we yeah, we took out some of the, you know, the, the ambient noise and yeah. it's cleaned it up. That's nice, but not, but not much because this one was really good. Was now, good. why? How would you put? Put all that together. Why this woman? Would it be because this is the woman who's out there recording these things? It could be. I don't know. Nikki brings people to us he, uh, that we never knew. Uh, uh, he touched the life of John Land, the uh, the author who, who took Nikki's play and has made it a feature-length motion picture yeah. now, and we're attempting to to get that made. And and he, he's brought all of these mediums to us. Uh, the 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 right ones. I say the right ones because they've been able to connect and and uh, relate to Nick That's in right, such right. a way. Yeah, uh, yeah. Everybody's different, you know. There are good mediums, there are good aluminum styling salesmen, <laughs> you know. Everybody's different. Uh, he has brought us people. Uh, a, a woman I just I told you before we started about a, a woman in Bulgaria who's a television personality in Bulgaria who contacted me for this stuff. Yeah. He he brings people to us. We have people from Scotland contacting us. We've been all over the world. We have people who are being touched by this story. Yeah, and it is really astounding. Uh, I'll tell you a quick one. Are you familiar with Susan Apollon? No. Susan Apollon is an intuitive and a psychologist, and she is a co-author of Life After Life, this the the, the follow-up to Life After Life. Oh, okay. I've had her on the air a few times with me, and we got to be friends. And she had a couple that was coming to her for psychological help because the, the son passed away. And the father thought he was getting signs from the son. So she said to them, well, you got to contact our friend Dave Kane and his wife Joanne and, and we'll, you know, because they, they get it, and it. But the guy never contacted me. Oh. So they go to a medium and they live in Philadelphia. They go to a medium. And at the end of their session, the medium says, there's another young man here. Hmm. It, and his name is Nicholas. And they didn't know who Nicholas was, so they go back to Susan, and Susan says, that's the son of the boy I was telling you about. <laughs> I mean, the son of the people I was talking about. I mean, so here's Nikki chiming into that session yeah, to, to let them know that, that their boy is okay, and, and it's so really odd. Now, the punchline to this is that this father finally did call me, and we had a long talk, and his last name, well, his name, I can say his name, his name is Eric Stark. And I told Joanne about it after I had the conversation, and she said, isn't that weird? She said, this morning I thought about Anya. My wife used to have a daycare, and little Anya was one of the kids. I used to say to her, don't get any Anya. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and her last name is Stark, and she was dreaming about her just before she woke up that day. And then we found out that her father's name, I remembered her father's name, is Eric. Uh -huh. So she dreamt about Anya Stock, whose father's name is Eric, and this guy calls me Eric Stock. That's Nikki letting us know he was involved in this. Yeah, know, yeah. Taking yeah. credit for it. That's right. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> See what I can do? It was me, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See what I can do? I know. Well, and th this is it. This, and like you say, the stories go on and on. Um, it's difficult to obviously fit them all in into one interview, uh, which is why uh, you have these things. All right, so you have your book, 41 Signs of Hope, okay? Yeah. Yep. How can people get this book? 41signsofhope.com. Just contact me and we'll set them up. All right. Yeah. And the... Did you... <laughs> 
It's hard to believe that you didn't plan 41 chapters, okay? I know. I, my, my, my publisher at the time uh, wrote to me and told me that, and, and I said, no one's going to believe that. Yeah. No one's going to believe it. But he, he was so impressed with it that he that he. Hey, he, and he wrote it at the beginning. This was not. Yeah. You have a lot of integrity, and I believe that is true. Here's a great picture of Nick, in case anybody, I don't know if you yeah. can see it. Wonderful yeah. picture of Nick. Thank you. And, and handsome, all your boys are handsome. Um, the documentary 41. Yeah, you can is, get that at 41themovie.com. 41themovie.com. And you can well, buy a DVD, or how does that work? Yeah, you, well, it's on Netflix. You can get oh. it on Netflix, too. Oh, okay. And you can, uh, so check it out on Netflix, and also you, or you, can, you can purchase the DVD. Well, wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, the play you say it's not ready yet you're trying to you're trying to did did, did christian d resendis did he film it himself yeah or yeah, he, yeah we, you, what you see in 41 is clips of that we have shot it uh it is available on cd also you can check with christian on that it's also okay. available okay on dvd excuse me and uh but the the play is is we're doing something now we're trying to do something presented again for the 10th anniversary of the fire yeah uh and uh and the movie the, the play has also been rewritten i say rewritten our friend john land um uh, who who we met after nikki passed never knew nick but who will tell you that nikki helps him to to write to expand this play mm -hmm. to a feature-length motion picture yeah. another side story when we he sent us the first draft of his presentation he had to add a bunch of characters every name of every character he added was somebody in Nikki's life that, <laughs> that John had no idea really yeah. Chris looked at it, he said oh my god look at this all of these people their names are significant people to Nick so he has always felt that Nikki helps him oh yeah right that, that's right, and I, I believe that, uh, to me it's just like yeah, of course, of course that, that of course yeah, that's the way, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, I think so. We've covered all the websites. Yeah. Uh, any final advice or message that you have for people, people maybe you know, in any way, but maybe people who who haven't seen any signs, you know? Yeah. Anybody. The best thing I can say is anybody wants to talk to me. Anybody wants to contact me, it's very simple. Uh, I, I go to 41signsofhope.com. All my contact information is there, my email, mm. my phone. I will talk to anybody at any time. It doesn't matter. I want people to know that their loved ones are with them. I want them to know that sometimes they're missing it. You know, they're just they're so busy being crushed. Yeah. and sorrowful yeah. that they don't realize that somebody's standing there holding a glass of water for them. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. okay. So please, I, I want everybody to know anything I can do to help them know that their loved ones are with them. That's what I have to do now. That's my gig now. Really? You know? Yeah. And, and I really want them to know that our family is here to help them in any way and speak to them. My wife will certainly talk to anybody uh, to help them. Uh, any mother who's lost someone, and 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 just have faith. Have do not fear to hope. In Nikki's play, one of the lines the angel Grace says to the to the young man having problems: "Do not fear to hope." So we put that on Nikki's uh, gravestone, uh, and that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to know that there's nothing to fear, that your loved ones are fine, and you are going to be fine. 
That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for the offer that you send out to people. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are going to take you up on it. Great. It's what a gift that is. Appreciate it. It was wonderful having you on. And I do recommend that people get, you know, the documentary, the book. If this is a subject that interests them, they'd like to learn more about, find new ways that they can connect with their loved ones in spirit. And uh, maybe we'll talk to you again in the future when that play is going to be nationwide, huh? Great. Yeah, wouldn't that be terrific? That'd be wonderful. I wish you the best. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Bob. All right, bye.